Welcome to Real Estate Investor Secrets, the podcast that reveals the blueprint to building a $1 million real estate portfolio through passive investing. I'm your host, Ryan Ng, sharing the exact blueprint that we use to go from a $240,000 fourplex to managing over $200 million in multifamily real estate assets. Each week, we'll explore commercial real estate secrets to accelerate your wealth building journey. Our goal is financial freedom and abundance for you through real estate investing. Join us to uncover strategies, insights, and hidden gems for exponential wealth growth. Learn from successful investors who achieved independence through passive investing. Now, whether you're starting out or experienced, this podcast delivers actionable insights and valuable resources for your real estate portfolio. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Real Estate Investor Secrets and tap into seasoned investors' wisdom. And together, we'll unlock real estate investing secrets for a future of freedom and abundance. What's up, guys? Thanks for being here. Really appreciate you taking time to um, to come and learn. Uh, I just want to give you an idea of the kind of gold that I intend to give you today. I did a training like this about two years ago, and this was the training. If you go, you can still see it on YouTube. Two years ago, this one right here. I said, "How can you take advantage of the 2.2 trillion dollar stimulus to invest in real estate?" And during that time, some of you that are here were on that training that I did two years ago. And some of you remember what I said. I said, look, the market is about to explode because I was looking at not, you know, super brain science stuff. It's just super, like simple supply and demand. So during that time, I had somebody, if any of you remember being on that training, he said, well, look, you know, I, I invest in real estate, but I'm really scared about what's going to happen to the market. He's like, you're telling me I should invest in real estate. I'm telling everybody to pull out and put that money in the freezer, put it under a mattress or, you know, just hold that money somewhere. And my business partner, Preston said, look, I promise you, if we have inflation, the last place you want that money to be is in a freezer or under a mattress. So let me just show you this. This is exactly when that training came out. Okay. In quarter one of 2020, right when the pandemic hit, everybody's staying at home. If you notice, everybody's getting a little scared. The market went down a little bit. This is, this is the average home price in the United States was $329,000 back in 2020 when I did this training. It dipped a little bit to $322,000, a $7,000 reduction. And then look what happened after that. We had the largest spike in real estate that we've ever experienced. This is historic all the way back to the, you know, the 50s. We had the largest spike. So if you invested at that time, when I did, if you went and bought some real estate at that time, just an average house in the United States for $329,000, you took $100,000 and you bought that house, you would have made $120,000 in wealth since 2020. And if you would have put that in a mattress, this was inflation since 2020. That's 16.6% .6 inflation. You would have lost $16,600 of that value of that $100,000 if you would have put that in a mattress or in the freezer and you would have gained $120,000 in wealth equity by investing it in just your average piece of real estate in the United States. So that was the training I did two years ago. And that's what I intend to give you today. I'm not predicting the future. 
I'm, this isn't like I don't really have a crystal ball and my wife will tell you that I am wrong about a ton of stuff. So this isn't like this is a magic, right? This is just simple. We're zooming out. We're looking at the markets from a macroeconomic level. We're zooming out. We're looking at it from 500, uh, 500 feet up and we're saying, what's about to happen? What are some real factors that are coming down the pipe? And what decisions can we make today to make sure that we take advantage of that? So here's what you're going to learn. What 70 million baby boomers are about to do to the real estate market, what inflation is about to do to the real estate market, how supply, demand and interest rate markets are causing a major investing opportunity right now. Uh, I'm going to tell you the four major ways to get paid through strategic real estate investments, what we're doing and how you can not only protect yourself from inflation, but also thrive during it. Uh, while also getting back at the federal government and the banks for causing it. You know, they're, they're, they're the ones that kind of cause this stuff. And, and you can actually be, it's like the only time you get to win against them. Um, and uh, show you what you can do today to take advantage of this current market and create some life-changing wealth. And at the end, I'm going to give you some resources that you can take action on and use in your personal situation. Okay. So, like I said, I don't have a crystal ball. But I can tell you, you know, 2020, I had this this training. And if you would have taken action on that training, you would have, you know, on average, you would have made one hundred twenty thousand dollars in wealth. And if you had taken that money instead and put it in a mattress, you would have lost sixteen thousand six hundred by inflation devaluing your currency. So let's get into it. Why are we about to have the greatest wealth transfer in human history? I'm not the only one saying this, OK? I'm not just like the only one out there making this statement. There are many people that are saying this. It's because of these guys right here, these, uh, these fun-loving, you know, party-going, Woodstock-going baby boomers, right? These are pictures from Woodstock. There is just a ton of baby boomers in this picture, which is why I decided to put that one up there. There's 69.6 million people between the ages of 58 and 76. They hold $71 trillion of the entire world's wealth. They are the wealthiest people on the planet, the wealthiest generation on the planet. They have shaped our monetary policies. They've shaped the way that our world is right now. That is one seventh of the entire world's, pop, uh, entire world's wealth, 71 trillion. So they own the world basically. Like there's no person with one seventh that has more than them. It's all spread out. They're the largest owner of wealth. And the average age of passing in the U.S. is 77.28 years, which means that as generations pass, they give inheritance to their children. So that's millennials and Gen X kids are the generation of kids that the baby boomers had. They're the ones that are going to inherit $71 trillion. There are 72.19 millennials. There's 65 million generation X. So if you do that math, $71 trillion divided by 137.19 million on average, the average millennial or, or generation X is going to get in the next two to 20 years, $561,000. That's actually going to grow because that equity that they have, in those investments they have are going to grow. They're sitting there right now, either in stocks or in real estate or in cash flowing businesses. They're what you call debt equity. They're sitting there not doing anything. They're just growing in wealth. So what happens when that debt equity becomes active equity? Now, I just want you to think 
for yourself, like I'm sure you have friends or you know someone who's a millennial or a generation X age. Just think of, you know, five to 10 of them and think what would they do if they had an extra, you know, half a million in their pocket? Would they spend it? Would they buy real estate with it? Would they put in the stock market? You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that you should be thinking about that's about to happen. Because if you look at what created wealth over the last 70 years, 50, 50 to 70 years, it was whatever the baby boomers were doing. So if the baby boomers are all having kids, then you probably want to be investing in kid product. If you're in the stock market, you want to be investing in car seats and baby formula, you know? Uh, if the baby boomers are all, you know, retirement age now, then maybe you're investing in real estate in retirement villages, or you're investing in assisted living centers. Because if you follow that, like a tube of toothpaste, wherever the baby boomers are is where the money is. Now it's wherever the millennials and the Gen X kids are. That's where the money is. Now it just so happens that all the millennials and the Gen X kids are all of home buying or becoming home buying age right now. So that's reason number one, we're going to experience this massive wealth transfer. There's a second reason, and that is because of inflation. Now, this is a quote from James Cook. Inflation makes the wealthiest people, people richer, and it makes the masses poorer. So who are the losers during inflation? People who spend money and people who save money. People who spend, like Robert Kiyosaki talks about, you know, people who spend money on uh, like movie tickets and, you know, going out to eat and all that stuff. Those are people that aren't really investing money. They're spending money. But if people have extra income and that income they use to invest in assets like real estate, gold, silver, Bitcoin, stocks, whatever, those are the people that make money during inflationary periods. So the spenders are going to lose money because they're not really investing in assets that are going to grow. The savers and, and, and they're really the spenders are going to invest in people who have cash flowing businesses or who own real estate or vacation rentals. You know, they're, they're going to be giving their money to the people who hold the wealth and the savers are going to lose because of inflation, because their money. If you put that hundred thousand dollars in a freezer back in 2020, that hundred thousand dollars has lost sixteen thousand six hundred dollars worth of its value because of inflation. Here are the three main factors that cause real estate prices to go up. It all comes down to this. You have supply, you have demand, and you have affordability. So supply is the number of places available to live. Demand is the number of people that want to live in those places. And affordability is the amount of cash people have to invest or the ability to finance. That's interest rates. Let's take a look at supply. What's going on in today's market compared to what they call was the crash in uh, 2008? Now, in 2008, the supply was enormous, but the demand was low. Now, there are one-half homes available than there were back in 2008. People have been developing less because of inflation, because it costs so much money to develop. What used to cost maybe $100,000 to build a spec house now costs $200,000 to build a spec house. And then uh, as far as demand... There are now 12 million more people, that's the millennials, who are now the home buying age. And they now have kids and they want to buy a house. They want to settle down, right? And the last thing, which makes now a great buying opportunity, is the affordability. So interest rates have caused many potential buyers to wait on the sidelines. 
So let me just let me just show you this chart again because I think it's an important chart. This is what happened in 2007, eight, and then you had this what they called a crash, and it took six years to recover, and then it was back to what it was before at the height of the market, and then it exploded up, right? So. What happened in 2007, 2008 was the subprime mortgage crisis. It wasn't necessarily affordability, it was supply and demand. If you look at this period of time, the interest rates actually decreased during this period of time between 2000 and 2008. It wasn't interest rates that caused the crash. Everybody trying to predict a crash right now is saying, well, it's because the interest rates are high. Well, that's, that's, that's not really what's gonna make it go down. And if it does go down, it won't go down a whole lot. You had double the amount of houses, with 12 million less people that wanted to buy them in this period of time. With the mortgage crisis, that's what caused the crash. Now, if you're looking at what's going on now, you have 12 million more people that want to buy, half the amount of houses available to buy, and it's just that interest rates are not making it totally affordable right now. What is that going to do? It's causing this pressure cooker of demand. Say in your hometown, you have 200 people that typically buy a house every single month. Well, some people might be like, well, we just had a kid, but you know, let's just stick it out for another, you know, until those interest rates go down. Well, you know, I, I did want to buy, but just because the interest rates, let's just see if it goes down a little bit before we buy. It's, it's, it's pretty high right now. You know, there's a lot of people just want to buy, but waiting on the sidelines because they're like, well, I'll just wait to see if those interest rates go down. So in January, you have 200 people. By February, you add another 200. That's 400 people. By February, you add 600. And on and on and on, you got a year worth of people compressed sitting on the sidelines. All of a sudden, in your hometown, what's normally 200 people wanting to buy a house every single month is now 2,400 people at the end of the year. And as soon as these interest rates dip just a little bit, those 2,400 people are all going to go after the same amount of supply, right? Which is going to cause prices to explode. That's my prediction. If you're looking into the future, if you've got that crystal ball, here are the questions that I'm asking myself that I think everybody should ask themselves. What do you think the average millennial and Gen X person is going to do with an extra half a million dollars? Probably more, right? Are they going to pay off debt? Well, if they decide to take that extra money and pay off their debt, doesn't that increase their credit score? If it increases their credit score, doesn't that make Buying a house more affordable? Are they going to invest in the stock market? I'm sure some of them will. Are they going to buy our, or some of them going to say, you know what, I've always wanted a house in that neighborhood. Let me go buy that house. I'm sure that's going to happen. God knows what's going to happen to the workforce. I mean, if some of these people all of a sudden get $10 million, is that going to, is that going to affect the workforce? Probably. Are they going to invest in real estate? Are they going to spend it? If they spend the money, they're, going to spend it on a cash flowing business. What's that cash flowing business owner then going to do with that money to protect it? He's going to put it in the stock market. He's going to buy real estate with it, right? So either way, the real estate market is going to go up. The other question is, do you think turning that debt equity and active equity will cause more inflation? I certainly do. So you have $70 trillion that is about to be released in the economy. When I did that video back in 2020, it was $2.2 trillion that was released into the economy. And that caused the 16.6% inflation we've seen over the last two, three years. And now you have 70 trillion. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's, it's just going to explode. 
So what happens when the interest rates drop and the government provides new financing options? So traditionally, you know, if, if you look, you know, over the course of the real estate markets, there wasn't 30-year mortgages at first. There was 15-year mortgages. And then all of a sudden, people were like, oh, it's not affordable anymore. And the government said, okay, well, let's do, let's back 30-year mortgages. And then people said, oh, it's not affordable anymore. Now there's talk of 40-year mortgages. And there's new types of lending programs. So it's, well, why don't we offer these interest-only loans? Or why don't we offer these arms, these adjustable rate mortgages? The government and uh, and businesses rush to solve the affordability problem. And so what happens when you have affordability plus compressed demand plus not enough supply? And so I know what I think is going to happen. And, uh, and I'm sure that you guys can kind of see the writing on the wall as well if you're thinking about it. So what real estate strategies should you be using now in preparation for what's about to come? Okay, it's actually pretty simple. We use some pretty niche strategies. In order to pick a strategy, you got to understand there's four main ways to get paid with real estate. Okay, the first way is with cash flow. All right, so say you bought a house uh, that cash flowed or you bought some investment property right here at the top of the market. And you're going to make an extra $300 or $400 a month on that house. And values kind of did this. Did that really matter? Are you going to make $300 or $400 less on rent? No. Let's look at the rent market. Uh, this is the average rental market. Rent has never historically gone down. It has always historically gone up. So even if the values of the properties go down, your rent rate continues to climb. That's why I think it's important to understand that if you're doing anything in real estate right now, buy for cash flow because it doesn't matter if it goes down, you're still going to be getting paid what you're getting paid now or more if you're raising the rents on your investment property. Okay, so that's number one way to get paid. And by the way, you compare that to the stock market, say the Dow Jones. Dow Jones doesn't give you cash flow. All right, look, this is what the real estate market did over the years. This is what the Dow Jones did. It's like all over the map, right? And you're not getting paid cash flow while you own this stock. You're not getting paid, you know, like, like every month in, in like dividends. I'm pretty sure the Dow Jones is not yield producing. Anybody correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the Dow Jones is yield producing. But, but real estate is. It's cash flow producing, which is awesome. It's one of the main reasons to buy real estate. Number two is appreciation. And as I showed you in that chart, that's the average home price. Historically, real estate will continue to appreciate. Here's another major difference between the stock market and the uh, real estate market. Why do prices always go up on a macro level in real estate? Because they're not making any more real estate. <laughs> right? It's the same with gold. They're not making any more gold. It's a limited supply. There's limited real estate. Like there's only so much land on this planet earth that people are going to live on. And the population, population is continuing to increase and is projected to increase for a very long time. Okay. So if the population continues to increase and land remains scarce, there's a limited amount, then this number will always go up. Whereas the Dow Jones, who knows what kind of companies crash, what kind of disruptors enter the market. Like if you were, you know, if you invested in Blockbuster, you're probably not 
you know, that's, that, that's gone, you know, that's no longer. So there's all kinds of disruptors that happen as technology advances. This does go up too, but it's a little more volatile than this and it doesn't cash flow, right? So that's the second reason is for the appreciation, the values are going to consistently go up. Number three, which is an amazing thing. And you know, this is, I've talked about this. I've done specific trainings on this accelerated paper depreciation. So if you have gotten taxed by the federal government, you want to invest in real estate now to avoid those taxes. And there's a certain trick that smart real estate investors use. I'm going to give you a link uh, to my contact uh, to email him. If you own real estate, you need to be doing this. It's called accelerated paper depreciation. So if you were one of our investors in our deal, uh, let's just use uh, Regency, for example, it was a 60, 62 unit in Metairie. If you invest $100,000, you made about $10,000 in cash flow that first year, and it appreciated, and you received that first year $56,000 of paper depreciation that you could write off against your other taxes. So if one of our investors was extremely ecstatic after they got their K-1s back, because even though they made money on paper, it shows they lost money so they could get that money back from the government. So accelerated paper depreciation is an amazing vehicle that you should be using in real estate. And what it does is the government incentivizes real estate ownership. And so they say you could depreciate this asset over 27 and a half years. Well, what accelerated paper depreciation does is you have an accountant that goes in and says, all right, well, your wallpaper depreciates at a different rate than your floors, at a different rate than your roof at a different rate than your, whatever, the bones, the, the electrical, the plumbing, and they condense that 27 and a half years down to about seven years. And so you get all that appreciation on the front end of the investment, which makes it smart to buy something, hold it for seven to 10 years, and then sell it, do a 1031 exchange so you don't get taxed on it, and then do it again. All right, so that's, that's a major way to get paid, is basically get money back from the government, have a tax-free investment tax-free money. That's what, you know, you always hear people complaining politically, like the rich never pay taxes. Well, this is one of the things that the rich do to not pay taxes. They have accelerated depreciation. And then number four is you make extra money by debt pay down. It's actually counterintuitive. If you listen to Dave Ramsey, you know, you, you probably wouldn't, you know, want to do this because he's very much like against debt. But when you have time of hyperinflation, the best way to get back at the government is to get some debt that other people pay for. Those other people are called renters or vacationers, short-term rental people. But the debt becomes worth less. Just as if you put that $100,000 in the freezer, you know, over the last couple of years, you would have lost 16.6% of it. You would have, it would have lost 16600 worth of its value. If you gave somebody a loan or the government gave you a loan for $100,000 in 2020, and that loan was at 6% interest, the government would have lost 10%, 16.6% minus 10%. So the government would have lost 10% on that money because of inflation. All right, so that's a major way to get paid in real estate. So understanding those four ways, here are the strategies that I'm implementing. These are the strategies that helped us get to 200 million in, um, in assets under management and that I recommend that you look at. So. Best strategy now, buy cash flow. So multifamily and single family rentals.
Um, I've showed you that rental history chart, how rentals just go up and short-term rentals. Okay. So anything that has somebody else that's going to pay you for your ownership of it, for them to use it, right? So buy for cash flow, buy in areas of positive migration. So wherever people are moving into, that's going to protect you. You know, when there was a crash, like in 2008, there were some markets that were affected more than others. And those were areas that didn't have positive migration. Whenever you have more people moving into an area than leaving in an area, that's demand, right? Whenever you have increased demand, your values are always going to, and it outweighs supply, your values are always going to go up. Okay, so that's one thing you can hedge against a risk of losing value. Uh, also, buy in areas of industry diversification. So if there's like a town where all of a sudden the government says, you know what, we're going to let you do fracking in this town. You'll see all kinds of investors rush to provide for the massive, uh, you know, the massive housing that they're about to have, you know, in, in, in the fracking industry. I don't consider that a smart investment because what happens if the government says, like they did the shale oil boom, they say, now you're no longer able to drill. Now you're no longer able to frack. And that was a community that was just a one hit wonder. There was no other industry. Then all of a sudden you're left holding the bag on it, right? It's happened historically throughout the U.S. and, you know, old abandoned coal mining villages, steel, you know, steel manufacturing villages, fracking, shale oil, you know, those sort of things. You want to invest in areas that have, you know, hospitals, they have hospital work. It's not my personal favorite uh, to expand the government. That's not like my personal you know, politics, but areas where there's government work because it never really goes away. Um, and then areas with educational uh, elements to it. And then a diversification of tertiary industry. Um, so those are the areas that I look at when, um, when I'm looking for areas to invest. Um, and also don't be afraid to use debt to create equity especially during inflation. If you borrow a million at 6% and inflation goes up to 16.6%, then you actually made the government lose 10% on their investment, which is their debt into you. And you gained it. And you want to be in something that is uh, inflationary proof. So the fact that rents always go up means it's inflationary proof, uh, proof because rents are going to go up as inflation goes up. All right. And then lastly, you want to buy low or sell high. And there's several buy low and sell high strategies. The ones that we use are value add. So value add is like when you go into a multifamily housing unit, for example, say it's 100 units and you buy, you could do it on four units, right? Uh, you could go to a fourplex and say, all right, I'm going to buy it at a little bit under or a lot under whatever deal you can get at what it goes for on the market. And then when the market goes up, I'm going to sell it. So uh, if you could get something value add where you can go in, maybe raise the rents to increase the value or eliminate expenses to increase the value, that's forced appreciation because you are creating more value by bringing in more income to the property. All right, and then we look at uh, another buy low, sell high strategy is arbitrage. So we do hotel to apartment conversions, for example. We did one in Lafayette where... It was like the old holodome is 270 units. And we said, um, this as a hotel is not worth this, but this as apartments is worth way more. So we were able to get this at like 10,000 a door, something like that. We're in a market that goes for about 120,000 a door. 
So we're all in on that project at about $10 million. And we recently got that appraised by a broker in the area. And he said on the high side, you could sell this for 21 million, on the low side, 20 million, and we're gonna target 21 million if we put it on the market. So we bought that low, changed its use to apartments, and we're looking at about $11 million spread on profit on that opportunity. So that's an arbitrage opportunity. The other thing that we do is condo conversions. So we'll buy a condo portfolio and we'll say, all right, as a portfolio, each one is worth 125,000 a unit. But if I sell them individually, they're worth $200,000 a unit, right? We recently bought 166, uh, 167 units in New Orleans that was used as a luxury apartment. And we looked at the apartment market and we said, well, as apartments, it's worth $227,000 a unit. But if I convert these to condos and sell them to individual condo units, it's going to be on average about $400,000 per unit. So same thing with office to apartments. These are what you call arbitrage opportunities where you just simply change its use to make it more valuable. All right. And then also in the single family you know, market or even you know, smaller multifamily, you're looking for foreclosures and motivated sellers. I think there's going to be a lot of those coming down the pipe and those make for great investing opportunities. Those are my recommendations. That's kind of my crystal ball. That's what I recommend right now as far as strategies. You can use this on your own um, or you could use it through us. That's our mission is to just provide the opportunities to you. It's up to you if you want to take advantage of them. Um, so here are the current passive income opportunities that we provide. So you got to think of it in terms of what kind of investor are you? There's accredited investors and there's non-accredited investors. Accredited is one of those things where you know, it's just one of those SEC rules uh, that they make to invest in bigger deals. Um, it's not my rule. It's just the SEC says in order to make money, you have to make money. So you have to have over 100000 to invest for our deals. That's not SEC rules, just for our deals. Uh, you have to have a net worth of a million. That can include a business and real estate equity. Or you have to have an annual income of 200000 Or if you have a spouse and combined income with them, 300000 one of those three things, either a million in net worth or 200,000 a year or 300,000 with an income. You also can use your retirement account to invest. I'll, I'll give you guys a resource that you can use. I'd say probably 70 to 80% of our investors use their retirement accounts. to They put it in like a EQRP, which gives you checkbook access to your retirement account to then invest in deals. So, uh, if you're an accredited investor, then you have an opportunity to buy some of our bigger deals. If you're non-accredited, you can invest in smaller deals such as plexes, condos, STRs, and single family. Uh, you can utilize your credit score and income producing real estate to get a loan, get loan terms. Uh, there's also something called DSCR loans that are available. So if you've got an investment property that you want to buy, then they will actually approve you based on the money that the property brings in and not necessarily on your personal financials. Um, there's investor loans available. And as well, you can use your retirement accounts uh, to invest in real estate as a down payment. You can finance it. There's a lot of things you can do. A lot of people don't really realize that. But if you weren't aware of that strategy and you've got some money in your uh, retirement account based on what I think the real estate market is going to do and based on what the Dow Jones has done. <laughs> this seems like a lot more stable of an investment because you're getting cash flow. 
you get that tax benefit of the depreciation. You get the benefit of this potential amazing appreciation and, uh, and all the other benefits of real estate. All right, so here are the, um, the passive income opportunities that we have if you're accredited. So we have a fund that we set up. Uh, that fund has over 500 doors now. It's five properties, um, three arbitrage deals and two value adds. Two of them we haven't bought yet, we're under contract for, okay? It's 2X multiple projections. If you invest in this one, this one's a 3X. This New Orleans deal is a 3X multiple projection. We just bought it yesterday. Um, over 25% IRR projections, and it's 100,000 minimum investment. So it is this 136 unit condo complex in Baton Rouge that we bought in bulk for about 127,000, I want to say. Um, we projected that we would sell them at 175,000 a piece. Uh, and we're actually selling them for about 200,000 on average. So we actually are overshooting our projections on that. This is a hotel to apartment conversion, like that one I was telling you about where we made a $10 million or we have a potential $10 million spread. Uh, that's in Wilmington, North Carolina, where the population is just screaming up. Uh, rent increases were actually like 22%, I think, last year, and they continue to go up. And uh, we've got another one in Charlotte that we just got under contract. Actually, my business partner is there right now doing the uh, due diligence on it. 72 units is a value add. We've got about 200 to $500 rent bumps that we can do. So those are the deals that are in the fund. If you want to invest in the fund, uh, that is an opportunity that's still on the table right now. All right. So um, what about for, um, for non-accredited or opportunistic accredited investors? So those condos that we have, like I said, we're currently selling those on average of 200000 we decided while interest rates are high, we actually got a really great uh, term from a lender that will sell to individual investors four to 10. He said as many as 10. And what we're able to do with this loan on our side is we're actually able to buy your interest rate down by 2%. And since we manage the whole complex, we can manage it. Typically on these, you're, you're looking at 10% for a management fee. We can manage it ourselves. We can offer to manage it for the first year at 5% because we've got those economies of scale. And the purchase price, if you buy four or more, is $15,000 to $20,000 under what we're currently selling them for right now. Okay. And, and the reason that we're doing that is because our goal is to just pay off the lender. We owe, I think, I want to say it's like 10 million left in the lender. As soon as we sell, as soon as we get the next um, 40 under contract, the lender is paid off completely. And then we're going to be a little more patient with it because prices are about to skyrocket. We're going to wait for those interest rates to dip a little bit and we'll put them back on the markets to retail buyers and sell them for a heck of a lot more than uh, $200,000 per person. You could do what we're doing. You know, you could buy it low. And then when the market, you know, the interest rates go back down and the, and the all those buyers on the sidelines come back, come back, you can, you can sell the units individually if you wanted to. Uh, but that's our model on that one. And then on the California building that we just got in New Orleans, we just bought it yesterday. If you can close before 2023, uh, we can give a $20,000 to $120,000 under sale comp uh, in value, um, a discount in value. We've already pre-sold $15 million. That's going to be closing in November. Uh, we can also buy down your interest rate by as much as 1% and give you a 5% rebate on the monthly management fee. So that's a really exciting uh, short-term rental opportunity. 
uh, that you can take advantage of as well. And in this market, the average appreciation has been 7.7%. And so what I have, so if you want to uh, invest in the fund, you go to the Servio Capital thing right here. But if you want to, um, here's the spreadsheets, okay? For the short-term rentals, if you want an Airbnb, completely passive income, if you want one in New Orleans, these are the spreadsheets that you can really mess with these numbers. So this shows the average asset growth is 5.5%. It's actually in New Orleans, it's 7.7% in this area is what it's done over the past 10 years. And so look what that does to these, these numbers right here. This is just an example of one unit. So you could go through on this and you could see the different returns you can expect. This takes into consideration um, your cash on cash returns. By the way, this is not what you're getting on anything in the stock market, right? Dow Jones isn't going to give you any cash on cash returns. Uh, they're going to give you no yield. Um, you might have Apple gives you like 0.4%, <laughs> you know. Um, this is also the depreciation savings. And this is your return on cash invested on the bottom, which is just huge. And so you can look at all those projections. And as well, you can go see if you click on the side, it's the units that are available. You can see what the units actually look like. You can see their ratings on Airbnb. So this is 4.7 out of five stars. And, um, and you can just kind of see all that. From this link, from the link that I just sent you guys, you can download this spreadsheet yourself. You can mess with the numbers. Everything in yellow you can mess with, you know, whether it's interest rate, closing costs, whatever your tax rate is say things go up by 10%, you can just kind of see what that looks like. All right, so it gives you a, a lot of options there. Um, so you can download that. And then on the other side, on the Jefferson condos, okay, so you can download this spreadsheet as well, which shows you your cash on ca projected cash on cash returns. You did four more. Your annual depreciation, uh, your appreciation, and your projected return on cash, on invested cash, giving all those factors. Okay, so if you want to download those spreadsheets and take a look for yourself and schedule an appointment with us to talk about it, um, the New Orleans one, you use this link. The Baton Rouge one, you use this link. And if you want to invest in our fund to invest in bigger deals, you go to serviocapital.com. Now, if you want information about how to use your 401k to invest, you go to eqrp.co. What they basically do is they give you checkbook access to your, your, uh, your retirement accounts with no tax penalties for withdrawing. You have to invest that cash into a passive income investment, which is what we're providing. We're providing passive income investment. It's managed by third parties, managed by us. Um, and then to do a cost seg for that depreciation, the buddy of mine that does it, his name is Jeremy Dunnington. And you can go to this email right there. So any properties that you have that you think you can benefit from that accelerated depreciation, check out, send him an email, say, hey, just saw you know the, the training that Ryan did. He recommended you for doing a cost seg. I think it's like $1,800 to $2,500. It just depends on, you know, the it, it just depends on the square footage of the property. But well worth it. Spend $1,800 to $2,500 get. 20,000, 30,000, 50,000, 100,000 and, you know, tax depreciation offset your other income. It's definitely worth it to take a look at that. So, 
that's it guys. I hope you found this valuable. I hope, uh, I hope you're like some of those people back in 2020 when I did this training that took advantage of what I was saying and, uh, and, and bought some of the real estate with the strategies that I was talking about. This is the old training from two years ago. And this is when I did the training and this is what real estate values did. Uh, and I hope you're not like the other guy who put the money in the freezer or, or under his, under his mattress. So, um, so I hope, you know, I'm able to two years from now be like, Hey, look, you know, what I said made sense. And, uh, and you guys made a ton of money out of it. So, all right, guys, I'll leave you with that. Y'all have a great day and, uh, and God bless. Thank you for watching Real Estate Investor Secrets Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss a valuable episode. And you can also check out the link in the show notes if you want to book an appointment to talk about real estate investing strategies and opportunities. Thanks a lot. Take care and God bless.